Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, our phone lines will be open all throughout our show today. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, or Brian Hefty. All right, so again, it is Farmer Friday, and we're live in the Morton studio just talking agronomy a little bit today. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a second. Let's give you a, a little update on what's going on on our own farm here. So... There's a big dairy that that moved in right next to us a few years ago, and <laughs> because of the drought this year, um, they're 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 very concerned that they aren't going to get enough feed. So they've been trying to find silage everywhere. We put it, we we gave them a couple more fields of silage of our corn. So they've been cutting some silage here a little bit on our farm, and I, I'll just say so far. Things look like about what I expected, whereas we're going to be probably down 20% from normal in terms of corn. We'll see when we get into our bean harvest here in uh, in a few weeks. But I'm expecting our soybean yield is going to be a little below average, not much, but a little bit below average. We've had over three years straight now of drought, and uh, it's finally starting to catch up on some of these corn fields especially. Um, where where we've raised continuous corn, obviously we've sucked a lot of moisture out of the ground, and uh, yeah, it's a little tough to get the kind of big time yields that we are looking for in dry land South Dakota here. But you know, could be a heck of a lot worse. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll give you a little more update on that as we go through, and they sh- I would expect we'll be done with our corn in terms of silage in a couple weeks, and then we'll harvest some wet corn probably a couple of weeks after that. So should be an early harvest. I guess that's the, the one exciting thing. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, first question comes from Jevin from Oklahoma saying, I ran some soil tests on a couple of my farms and was looking for a little insight and maybe some advice. I know I need some lime, and I normally put 1152 on with my winter wheat. I run winter wheat calves from November 15th to March 15th. I was curious if you had any info on making the optimal grazing stand as well as make a 40 to 45 bushel per acre crop or if it was even possible. Well, obviously, Jevin, the the big thing is in your area, it's always rain and getting regrowth after you've done grazing and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, we, we can't control that, obviously. But the things we can control are basically what you sent me on this soil test here. So let's talk about this a little bit. The number one thing that stands out to me, and this is like by far and away, is your soil pH is 4.6 and 4.7. And you said you need some lime, but I mean, you need lime bad. It's not super heavy soil either. So we're talking 11, 12 cation exchange capacity. So we'd consider that a medium texture, almost light soil which again is why you need a fair amount of rain to make this thing work. But I'm going to come back to you got to get that pH up and stay on that. We want that pH typically in the sixes. At least if you can get to six, you're going to be a lot better off than you are at 4.6. So that's going to be number one always. That's huge. The next thing is when I look at potassium, we often talk here on the show about 4% as a bare minimum base saturation per Uh, potassium percentage. Well, when you get to lighter soil like this, 11 and 12 CEC, then 
you've got 2.6 and 2.9% K, which means in lighter soil, there's a lot less of everything, less calcium, less magnesium, less everything. So then there's also less potassium. So we're only talking 118 parts per million of K. Now, it's a little misleading. Like in, in one of your tests here, it says 142 parts per million on K, and they the lab calls it high. Well, yeah, for your light soil, I guess a lot of people might consider that, but you're still really low. So that's really low. So that's one of the biggest things is you want to make sure that you've got that potassium up that's going to absolutely help your stalks, help with this grazing, everything else. But, you know, obviously if we're talking about grazing and we want the most tonnage out there, then we're going to push the nitrogen early and we're going to push the sulfur early. So that's probably the biggest difference. And I, I was just talking a little bit earlier in the show about how we're raising a bunch of silage corn as opposed to grain corn. Well, when you raise silage corn, it is a little bit different. So now all of a sudden, when I'm thinking tonnage, I'm thinking I got to push that nitrogen and push that sulfur early on. That will give me a taller plant and more tonnage. And that's the same thing you're after when you're trying to graze this wheat. Just a few other things that I'll, I'll mention. When you have that somewhat lighter soil, uh, then your leachables are almost always going to be low. Nitrogen, sulfur, borants, you got to stay after that. But then a couple of last things that I'll mention on your soil test here. Your phosphorus wasn't too bad, around somewhere around 50 parts per million on the on the Bray test. I mean, would I like a little more? Sure, but it's, it's not too bad. But your zinc and your copper, they tie absolutely together with your phosphorus, and those are both very, very low. So 0.4 parts per million on zinc and 0.2 parts per million or sorry, 0.9 parts per million on copper. So just make sure that you continue working on those micronutrients a little bit. You don't have to spend a fortune, but at least spend something. All right, uh, let's see. Next one here is from Diego. Uh, Diego sends us stuff from time to time. He's from down in South America, and he just uh, sent us a picture and uh, had a little comment for us. He goes, hey, guys, I'm going to my farm with the best travel combo. Ag PhD Radio and Mate. And I, I'll be honest, I had to look up what Mate even was. Well, apparently it's this Brazilian tea that they make out of, uh, let's see, evergreen shrubs or trees uh, related to holly, I guess. So anyway, I'm assuming that's what he's talking about here. But yeah, he sent me a picture of his coffee cup along with uh, Ag PhD Radio on in the background. Anyway, uh, thanks for that, Diego. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to know that people are listening to us around the world. And uh, thanks for the emails that you've sent in the past as well. All right. Again, it is Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. If you've got a question for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about on your farm, you could also email us radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We're going to go to the phone lines right after this. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com. Then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.claas.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're live in the Morton studio. I'm Brian Hefty. Just taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today. Got Wes on with us first. He's from up in Manitoba, north of the border. Hey, Wes, how are you? I'm just fine, thank you. So, any harvest going on in your area? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, the cereal harvest is pretty much wrapping up. There's a few fields left to do around here, and Canola is just starting. There's a uh, swath canola, like windrowed canola and straight cut canola. Both are getting done at the moment. And then uh, I guess it will be beans and corn. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I'm just curious, how about the cereal harvest? Did that turn out okay? How were the yields? Uh, right where we are, uh, right along the North Dakota border here, we had very little rain. We had probably under two inches of rain from snow melt till harvest time. Wow. So our yields weren't great, but uh, um, better than we thought they were going to be. Uh, can't give you any exact figures, but uh, yeah, they we were very dry. Well, you know, and just stop and think about that for a second, how fortunate it is to really have anything when you get two inches of rain. I mean, most people would expect, oh, it's complete disaster. There's going to be nothing there. But, I, I mean, if you look at how far farming has come, if this would have been back in, like, the 1930s, you would have had zero. So I, I guess I that that's what I kind of try to focus on on my farm, too, because we've had a, a pretty tough year, too. We've ha- we have had more rain than that. Uh, now, I, I mean, we got a bunch of late rains, but boy, for those first three months, it was brutal. We, we were in a similar spot to you. So, um, was there anything then that, that I would say stood out to you other than topography? Um, so in other words, any weeds, insects, diseases, anything else that kind of impacted that cereal crop that you noticed or any management decisions that you noticed good or bad? Well, I guess as far as management decisions go, uh, our local agronomists 
had uh, also agreed that uh, there was very little disease pressure. There was yeah. um, <clears throat> really no reason to, very little spraying for fusarium head blight. Yep. Uh, we didn't have any white mold problems. So I guess that's been the, the benefit of the dry weather. Yeah, always got to look on the bright side. Uh, I, I, I'm with you on that. We've seen less disease down our direction, too. When we got these late rains in August, then some disease came in. But prior to that, we were pretty disease-free. So um, how about the corn and beans? How is that looking so far? Well, the beans are uh, they're really drying down. It'll be fair, The edible beans are being harvested right now. There's uh, I saw couple combines going this morning in edible beans. There's quite a few of them undercut here in Wind Road now. The soybeans, uh, probably in the next week or so, we'll be starting to soybean harvest here. They've really, uh, I guess that's a result of the moisture, lack of moisture as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the well, corn itself, the corn looks fairly good for the most part. Good. It's, so any we're starting into soil testing now, and uh, yep. uh, we're working that in between the harvesting. Sure. So anything different you're thinking about as you wrap up this year and you start making plans for next year with your soil testing and, and I'm assuming fertility at some point, anything different you're going to do on your farm? Uh, probably not. We've been uh, soil testing for a number of years, and we've been trying to do very great soil uh, fertilizer application and uh, nice. so we'll probably continue that we'll be doing um, we usually do some tillage uh, probably doing next to no tillage this fall just because of the yeah. dryness so yep. that might be a change yep yep well hey Wes uh, we'll pray for a little rain for you hopefully your harvest turns out better than you think here and uh, good luck and stay safe okay thank you very much you have a good day as well you bet yeah thanks for calling all right, we are going to stay up in Canada. Got Jim calling in from Ontario right now. Hey, Jim, how are things for you today? Good. How are you doing up there? Great. Do you have a little Down more? There, I guess. Yeah. Did you have a little more <laughs> moisture than uh, than West did over in Manitoba this year? Oh my goodness! I'm hearing horrors about uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and down Midwest. And uh, we were awfully dry at planting season. Hot and dry. And the end of June, I uh, experienced a lot of root rots and pylon uh, syndromes. Uh, never sprayed so much fungicide as we have this year. Wow. So, um, struggle to get weak. I, I was just going to ask. Yeah, I was just going to ask on the fungicide thing. So you, you've never sprayed so much fungicide, you said. Did it, does it seem like it worked? I, I, I mean, do you, I don't know if you left anything untreated or any fields untreated, any areas untreated, but, I mean, does it look like the fungicide did its job? Well, in the weed it definitely did. There's a lot of people that was so dry, they uh, went to T3 uh, application. And I, I put it as uh, insurance. And I think when the rains came, we were still uh, at the tail end of flowering. We didn't see any fusarium issues this year, so did it work? I, I'd i like to say it, it definitely kept the plant healthy. Yeah. Um, we had excellent tests and uh, struggled to get the crop. We actually sprayed twice. Our wheat was quite heavy. 
Hmm. Uh, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. We still got. We in fact, we still have straw in the field right now uh, that we haven't got bailed off yet. It should have been off a month ago, but we couldn't bail behind the combine. The straw was so tough, and uh, it's just been hit and mess rains ever since. Wow. So with these late rains, then any soybeans, they probably are starting to look pretty good, huh? Well, we have some soybeans I think are seventy-five bushel beans, and we got some that are going to hurt to hit fifty, forty rather. Yep. Uh, the earlier ones are really struggling. They uh, sure. they were the ones hit the worst with the root rots and the disease. I sprayed those um, sprayed those air yelling up bad with uh, saturated soils, and they just never really bounced back. We have a lot of disease in them. Um, yep. Now they are they are filling. I have uh, some blank pods, but in a three bean pod, we're getting two po- uh, two beans in them. Mm-hmm. Now the later later beans look fantastic. I've got beans here at my home farm. Um, they're they're lodging. Um, we've managed to keep the mold out of them so far. Yep. I'd say they're I'd say they're ninety percent seed filled. Um, they look good. A lot of four bean pods. Nice. Um, we're counting, yeah, fifteen inch beans. Uh, we're counting a lot of fifty pod plants. Yep. So, um, and so I, I think we're in store for a good average crop. The the good the later stuff's going to pull up the the earlier stuff, and and hopefully we come out with a decent average. Good. Um, and the corn, we've we sprayed it. Uh, we always spray high tassel with it as a precaution. And this year, with all the rain, gibberella so bad there four years ago. Mm-hmm. Corn, it, it's it's we've seen a lot of uh, developed deers and um, eighteen rounds of thirty four long. So I think we've got a lot of potential there. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, so. Hey, I was just curious when you were talking about the the corn spraying and fungicide. Have you guys seen any tar spot get up all the way into your area or not yet? I have not seen it. Now everybody in this area has sprayed. Um, at yeah, the bay as well. But last year we did see it in a few very small spots here around me. But sure. uh, I have not experienced it yet. Or the corn plants, from what I can see, when I the corn, there's very little disease in the corn plant. Yeah, that dry that dry weather early on sure helped keep the disease up. Well, hey Jim, thanks for calling in today. Yeah, we appreciate not- it. Yep, we got to get running here, but uh, but we want to wish you the best of luck as you get into harvest and uh, and stay safe up there. That's great. Thanks, and uh, same to you guys down there. Okay, all the best. You bet. Appreciate it. All right, again, it is Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, we got some phone lines open here. The number's 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We'll get back to the Ag PhD mailbag in a little bit. Um, got a number of questions coming in, everything from alfalfa to rocky soil, kochia. Uh, so got a lot to talk about yet today, and we'll go right back to the phone lines after this. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. 
Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. And Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here. It's Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the phone lines are open. 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Brian did. Calling in from South Dakota. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? Excellent. So you guys have gotten more rain out there this year than I think we have. I mean, are, are things looking pretty good on your farm? Well, you know, that that's really been very, very spotty, Brian. You know, that. The impression is that we've gotten a lot, but it's been further south in our county that's actually gotten most of the rain. Oh, gotcha. We have gotten we have gotten some, and it's kept us hanging on, but we are certainly not in abundance right now with all this heat. <laughs> yeah, the soybeans are turning south on us. You know, it's it, it's we had a really good crop coming on, but I'm afraid we're going to lose about thirty percent of our soybeans. Yeah. Yield. So, but you know, it is what it is. Yep. Yep. Well, that's too bad. Uh, so I'm just curious, you, as we've talked to you in the past, you've worked on some different innovations over the years and things like that. Was there anything new and different you tried on your farm this year? 
Well, we've been working a lot with some, you know, biological seed treatments, which I think are really, really good. Um, we, we've gotten away from a lot of fungicide type seed treatments. And I think, I, I really think that there's a lot of promise in that. Um, as we get our, sal- our soils more and more balanced, I really believe that uh, you see a benefit from, from doing just the biological seed treatment. And then also we're, we're seeing some really good things uh, with some foliar applied micronutrients, which that's not, there's nothing new there, but I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of exciting to see. We are limited in the amount of, of overall nutrient that we apply to our crop. So we're trying to spoon feed and let it, you know, gain from the soil as much as it can. But when you get hot and dry or cold and wet, you've got to step in and kind of help. And uh, these foliar things are really kind of working for us, especially this year on the soybeans. We saw a tremendous amount of, of new flowering from, from some of the uh, biologicals and some of the foliars that we were putting on. But then when we get these super hot days, it just kind of takes it all back. You know, it's like Mother Nature's like, okay, you know, you've had enough. But that's just the way it is in South Central South Dakota. So yeah. Well, you this have to, you, have to, you have to take what you leave, what you get. Yeah, this is the hottest year since 2012. So, and granted, right. people want to talk about all the global warming and everything else, and I'll often bring up, well, how about the 1930s? Then that was like a hundred years ago, and that was way hotter than what we're dealing with today. So it could be worse. Right. But hey, I'm curious when you said yeah, foliar micronutrients, which ones in particular? Is there anything where you go, oh, it's got to have some boron in it, or maybe it has to be zinc or or whatever? Is there anything that that you you've identified where you say, for us, this has been good? Well, there really isn't a silver bullet, but I think when it comes to, when we're, we're, we're limited nitrogen, so we're, we're like, give you an example, we're like five to six tenths of a pound of N per bushel of corn, which mm-hmm. is really low. Yep. But we're using some ammoni, um, of, you know, amino acid nitrogen type products, which are 8% nitrogen. They're mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, they don't burn. They don't have any leaf tissue burn. Obviously, there's not a lot of nitrogen in them, but it's very, very plant available. Yeah. And so a little bit will go a long way, okay? Mm-hmm. And yes, we are adding zinc. We're, uh, you know, adding a good EDTA, uh, EDTA zinc in our starters and our yep. side dry, uh, sideband nitrogen. Uh, boron is not a big deal in our part of the world, but it is obviously where you guys are. Zinc is more of a deficiency in our area. So keeping zinc in the system for us is really important. But yep. You know, it's like a barrel stave. You know that. You know, the shortest one is the one that's going to limit everything else. So uh, it's really a balancing act, and that's the hardest part is figuring out that balance. So did you have any wheat on your farm this year? And if so, how did that turn out for you? So, yeah, we had wheat. Um, we, of course, had winter wheat and spring wheat. Last fall, when we planted winter wheat, it was extremely dry. Um, none of our winter wheat even came up last fall. Um, that's wow. In my 37 or 38 years of farming, I've never, ever had wheat not come out of the ground. Hmm. So it didn't really emerge until April. Uh, we had a lot of snow, 90 inches of snow, so it had plenty of moisture. Uh, it, it actually swelled last December and went through dormancy, Sure, uh, vernalized very well. Came up, um, but it was a, about a half crop, 50 bushel, you know, 45, yeah. yep. but better than I would have expected. Sure. Well, hey, uh, Brian, it's been great talking with you today. Thanks a lot for calling in. We appreciate it, and good luck out there. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're going to put up plenty of feed, and, uh, you know, God willing, we'll have a pretty decent corn crop, and hopefully it doesn't get too hot. We'll have a decent soybean crop, too. So I, I appreciate the time, though. You bet. Yeah, thank you.
All right, we're going to go next out to the state of Washington. Got Steve calling in. Hey, Steve, how are you today? Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Happy Friday. Yeah, uh, I haven't talked to you in a while here. How are things out your way? Good, good. We uh, wrapped up harvest on Monday, which is always a great feeling. And uh, right after that, we had some rain. There's a few guys around here who are still just on the tail end of wrapping up some spring crop. And there's still some garbanzo beans out in the field. And east of us towards the Idaho Palouse, there's still some crop to go. But for the most part, I'd say everybody's about over the hump. And a little rain shower was good to settle the dust and some of the wildfire smoke. And we've been... Uh, We've been in some drought ourselves here, and and kind of the theme of what you were talking about, yep. and and the gentleman from uh, Manitoba as well. It's just it's hard when you're limited on water of what you can do with your crop, and you know things actually turned out better than we thought, which is always good having a pleasant surprise. But yep. still, it was hard to see some of the marginal ground, uh, you know, just pretty much run out of water, and and that was our limiting factor this year on on kind of being a little bit average to below, I would say, on our wheat. So. So what other crops are you raising now, Steve? So uh, soft white winter wheat, um, we're still, I talked to you and Darren before, that we're uh, into this food barley market. It's kind of a niche market, um, yep. it's spring barley. Yep. Um, and that that did okay. Like I said, the, the low ground did okay. Some of our bottom ground did great. The hills just, it was it was bad. <laughs> you just don't have water to grow <laughs> crops on soil like that. You can throw everything at it. You just when you're dry land, as you know, you got to yep. have water to grow crops. I hear you. So but, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, that's that's primarily what we're still dabbling. Sometimes some uh, some DNS as well. We'll throw in the rotation if the market's right. Sure. So one of the things that's always impressed me is the kind of bushels you get out of that soft white wheat out there. Um, what are there any practices on your farm where you say, boy, this really helps us in our wheat, and it might be a little bit different than some of the things we often talk about in the Midwest here. Yeah, I think, you know, our soil, you guys know, we're really unique here with our hills and, and people hear about yep. our yields and, and honestly, they're just, they're just an amazement. I mean, we've been as high as, as, you know, 160 to 180 before on some really good low ground with averages a lot of times in the 130 and 140 bushel per acre range. And, and, um, you know, a lot of it's been management. Um, a lot of varieties have come out that have really helped us, but I think fertility has been the biggest thing of, of uh, you know putting down what the plant needs um, soil testing tissue testing has been huge for us learning what we were deficient in and we've seen a lot of uh, of good outcome on on that as as far as um, you know being able just to manage the crop a lot better in that and, and give it what it needs because we do have the soil and when we do get the moisture um, you know we have really good deep soils here and and so it really really does pay to to be on top of it on that end. Okay, I want to ask you about that tissue testing. So just think back to when you started doing the tissue testing, what was the biggest thing that stands out to you where you said, okay, we were doing it this way and this is what we learned and so now we changed because of tissue testing? Yeah, um, boron, we noticed we've been seeing a really good response on uh, boron. Um, We've mainly been doing foliar applied at flag leaf and seen a really huge yield response on that worked with a gentleman who does a lot of independent uh, plot work with us on our ground. He does it as independent, but he also, where we, he does it on our ground and, and um, gives us a chance to do some experiments of our own with him. So then we're also using a plot combine to really see on an accurate level, you know, not just even a, yeah, nice. you know, oh, this looks better or, you know, you see it on your combine yield monitor. And, yep. and we've learned a lot in that regard of, of what's working, um, you know, especially a lot of like some, uh, you know, micro five, 
Um, just giving the, the plant a good shot there at Flagleaf has really paid huge uh, with, with some fungicides. So, Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, uh, Steve, I just want to thank you a lot for calling in. It's always great to hear from you, and uh, glad at least things turned out a little bit better than what you were thinking this year, and hopefully you get some rain here going into this next season. Well, thanks, and good luck to you guys as well, Brian. You bet. Appreciate it. Right after this, we're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag. I'm really excited to answer some of these questions here that have been coming in. If you've got a question for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot when it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitec fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitec. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitec. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitec fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more.
This is Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. I'm Brian Hefty. If you want to call in, our phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD. But right now, we're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag. This one comes in from Bill in Central Florida, who says, Hey guys, I just watched your most recent Ag PhD TV show where you were talking about alfalfa planting. Well, I want to plant some alfalfa, but not a lot of people know a whole lot about it right here where I'm at. And so I'm basically he's got a, a question here for us on uh, what 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 can we do to uh, or, or basically uh, any advice we might have on growing alfalfa there. He says his soils are dry, sandy loam, uh, grows very good citrus trees, Bermuda grass and Bahia grass. Uh, all right, so Bill, here are I'd say my top three tips for you if you're going to be growing alfalfa. Number one. You have to soil test, and we want to see what the pH is. That is the most important thing for growing alfalfa. You will not get much tonnage if your soil pH is low. You've got to have that soil pH near 7. So let's just say, for example, you soil test, and you find out your soil pH is 5.5, which is common in your area. And you, you go, okay, well, I can fix that with lime. Yes, you can. You can put lime out there. But the problem is lime is not this instantaneous thing where, oh, it's five and a half today and tomorrow it's going to be 6.8, just what I want for growing alfalfa. It might take a year, two years. I mean, I don't think it'll take three years like it does for us up here. Uh, but it's going to take some time to get that soil pH up. So my point is, if let's say you, you soil test and your pH is really low, um, I'd probably plant something else there until you get that pH up. All right, so that's number one, soil pH. Number two, make sure you get lots of nutrients on, especially the ones that aren't leachable, like phosphorus and potassium, or phosphorus especially. Get that out there early when you get started raising this alfalfa. So, for example, I, I uh, on our own farm, when we go to raise alfalfa, I'm going to look at how much do I think I'm going to remove for P and K over the next three years. I put it all out in one shot, and I get it down in the ground. Okay, so I'm not le- leaving it on the soil surface, so it's not an environmental concern or anything like that. We get it down in the ground at least a little bit. Two inches is good. Four or six inches is better, but get it down in the ground a little bit. And then when you're looking at those nutrients also, there are some things that are just a little bit different with alfalfa. For example, it likes boron a little better than a lot of other crops. So I, I, I just say we want to take a look at the overall soil test and just really focus on fertility. And then the third tip is use Eptam. It's amazing as a pre-emerge herbicide. It's the best, hands down. It's just you have to instantly incorporate it. So you got to till that Eptam in, but it's fantastic. You do those three things. Watch pH fertilize early, so like get a lot of fertility out there, especially P and K early, and then Eptam as your pre, and you should be in pretty good shape. So if you get any more questions or if you want us to take a look at your soil tests, we'd be more than happy to do that. All right, the next one here, uh, we were also recently talking about kochia on Ag PhD TV, and this question comes in, and I don't have a name, I apologize, but uh, <laughs> the, the comment, because we were talking about uh uh, lawns a little bit just briefly and the comment is uh, can I use sharpen and starring in my lawns then because it looks like those are good choices for another grass crop wheat that you mentioned uh, 
no, you, you're you're probably not going to want to use sharpen and starring in the lawn. That's not going to work. Number one, I don't think that's labeled. And number two, sharpen's going to burn down everything that's there. So yeah, if you were starting a brand new grass field or something, you could use sharpen to kill any broadleaves like kochia. But in the lawns, what we're most likely going to talk to you about is freelex. Now, as a farmer, you're probably saying, wait a second, that's just 2,4-D. That's, yeah, that's the new 2,4-D. Freelix is the new 2,4-D that doesn't volatilize all over the country. Um, and 2,4-D doesn't work real great out of my fields. Well, no, not in your crop field because you're probably just using a quart rate, which is way too low. If you were able to use, like in grasses, you can use a much higher rate than that. And when you do, if you use the full labeled rate, it'll be actually very good on kochia, especially considering that in a lawn, how big is a kochia going to be? I'll talk to guys that'll have a foot tall kochia out in their field. Well, think of how many growing points you have, 50, 60? Uh, when you've got a one inch or two inch tall kochia plant out in the lawn, you can usually do a pretty good job with a 2,4-D like Freelix. All right, next one here is from Sherman. He says, hi guys, I am a small grain farmer. I only have about 100 acres and I've had my spraying done by the local co-op. Well, I'd love to do it myself and save money, uh, but my concern is the cost of the sprayer it would take in order to do an adequate job. So uh, what do you think? Am I better off to just have this custom done? Uh, oh, and by the way, I have a few fields and there are point rows so manual shutoffs if on a sprayer probably isn't the best right no sherman i'm i i would not want manual shutoffs anymore we have with this modern spraying technology it's awesome so you can you have you can shut off every individual nozzle even on some sprayers so it's great when you have point rows which we do on our farm and then we don't have the overlaps we used to have because with the overlaps, you're either going to damage the crop or, I mean, if you shut everything off going into this, then you might not kill the weeds. You might have a spot that there is nothing. So it, it gets to be a real challenge. And yeah, at 100 acres, it's very difficult, very challenging to justify having your own sprayer, but you certainly could do it. And, and you just have to look at the economics. And I don't know, uh, let's see, I don't know if he said in here what, what crop you're raising. My point is, if you're raising a crop where you have, let's just, I'll throw this out, $300 an acre gross income on 100 acres, you can't afford hardly anything. If you had some crop where you had $3,000 an acre gross income, well, now, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get pretty interested in that. So you just have to run the numbers a little bit. The other thing that some smaller operators have done is they'll buy a sprayer and then they'll spray their own and they'll spray for a few neighbors. So that helps supplement that cost of the sprayer. So that certainly would be an option for you as well. All right, next one is from Carter in the Willamette Valley, Valley of Oregon. Um, he sent some pictures here and basically it looks like a rock garden. Um, there, there is, well, anyway, it's tremendously rocky. He says, Hey guys, I've attached two soil samples from two different years, as well as a picture of my soil to give some context. Uh, I'm growing hazelnut trees and here are my questions. Okay. I have a lot of rocks in my ground, as you can see. So with the soil test, they don't include the rocks in the test. So does this mean that my organic matter numbers are off? Um, also, what does this do to my cation exchange capacity? So it says I have 20 for cation exchange capacity. 
um, and heavy ground, but with 50% rock, it's really well drained. Um, and then my other question here is really, what are your recommendations for this soil? All right. So first of all, Carter, yeah, if you're not, if you are not sending any of your rocks in, let's say you pull a soil sample and you get rid of all the rocks that are in there, then that's a very misleading sample and you're going to get very misleading data. So they're only going to test what you give them. And it's like we say all the time, your test results are only as good as your sample. So here again, I'll just, and I don't know if you actually have 50% rock, but let's just assume that you do. Okay, so in effect then, that's going to cut all your numbers in half. So your 8% organic matter is going to be 4 and uh, just like you're just like you're asking here, as far as your cation exchange capacity, I don't know that I'd completely cut it in half and go from 20 down to 10, but it's going to be close to that. Okay, so you do have to think a little bit differently. And here's the other thing. Um, I mean, if it's me, I'm, I'm going to be experimenting all the time, trying things, trying different nutrient levels and all that. And let's just see how we turn out over time. But I guess what I can tell you is when I take a look at your soil tests, um, the first thing that st really stands out to me is just you've got low pH. So if you're at in one sample, it's 5.9, the other's 5.1. You absolutely want to get some lime out there and get that pH raised up a little bit. Uh, that will help your trees. That'll help just about anything, any crop that you're going to raise. And then trees need tremendous amounts of potassium. We're going to talk more about that right after this break. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a John Deere compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot 
Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Right before the break, we were talking about Carter's question from out in Oregon. He sent us some pictures of his soil, and one was a close-up where it looked like it's solid rocks. So his question basically was how to figure out, all right, in the soil test, if I don't send any of the rocks in, I'm just sending the soil in, how do you calculate things and his rough guesstimate was let's say that I've got a soil that's 50% rocks and like I said you pretty much need to cut things in half uh, now that also means percentage wise it could it could really hurt you in terms of like we talk about base saturation potassium so the actual soil there um, hey if it's really low in well in in this case your magnesium is down to four or five percent um yeah, that that's not real great. So we want magnesium out there, and I didn't mention that earlier. But right before the break, I was talking about potassium, and your base saturation K is one point seven to two point seven percent parts per million, one thirty eight to two thirty two. Here's the thing: trees respond unbelievably well to lots of K. So I want that base saturation K seven or eight percent. Do that, and you are going to get more diameter growth in those trees every single year it will be a big deal also on the show here let's see it was uh just a few weeks ago we had bill brush on he's a consultant from out in california and does some work with trees there and we were talking about two different nutrients for trees okay and here are his comments from then he said number one in trees, having great sulfur levels as opposed to very little sulfur means 1.5x diameter growth. So make sure you have good sulfur levels in, in your ground. I'm not saying it's terrible, but we're at 22 and 25 on sulfur. And with all those rocks there, you mentioned, hey, I don't have a drainage issue. Well, obviously, so, um, <laughs> with, with all that. So that means that some of your leachables are going to leach easier. And sulfur is one of those. So where I'm going with this is you're going to have to kind of continually apply sulfur, keep those levels up. If it's me, I'm shooting for much more than 25. I'm shooting for 50 minimum parts per million. So keep the sulfur levels up. And then the final thing that, that Bill had said, phosphorus. We were talking about phosphorus just for trees and just the importance of phosphorus. And I said, well, look, Bill, I can't, I can't get phosphorus into my heavy soil. How do I do it? And he said, even if you have heavy soil, keep your phosphorus level high. 
but you would have to go really high, like 250 parts per million, and then it will move down in the soil better. Now, Carter, in your case, um, with all those rocks there, I think you're going to get some phosphorus going into the soil no matter what. But, I mean, in terms of the phosphorus level, it certainly was not bad. On the Malik 3 test, 80 parts per million on one. But then another one, it was only 47 parts per million. So, honestly... I'm bumping those numbers too. I want to be at least 100 parts per million and maybe a little bit more. So where I'm going with all this is, yes, I understand you got this issue with the rocks and everything else, but you're raising trees, so fortunately you don't have to be out there tilling every year like an annual crop farmer would. But I just keep working on that fertility thing, more fertility, and hopefully over time your trees are really going to thrive. All right. Uh, Again, if you've got a question for us, you can certainly send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. So one that has been, I would say, the most popular question that I've gotten over the last month, and I've been uh, speaking to farmers throughout the Midwestern United States here, I've been traveling around a fair amount, it's corn rootworm. We've seen just tremendous levels of adult corn rootworm beetles this summer. We're seeing lots of lodging now. We have found really ridiculously high levels of rootworms, even in fields where guys have used a BT trait. So I want to talk about that and spend the rest of the time today talking to you about corn rootworms. So hopefully next year you don't have as big a problem, but... The challenge with any bug is how was the pressure the year before? And where I'm going with this is if we can stop corn rootworm beetles from laying their eggs the year before, we're in great shape. To take it a step further, if we can kill rootworms the year before, then we're also in good shape. So here's where I'm going with all this. Okay, so most everybody's going to talk about if they have a if they're concerned about rootworms, they're going to talk about two things. It's a planting time insecticide, and by the way, there's no rescue treatment for rootworms later on. Years ago, we used to have furidan, and that would move through the soil fairly well, and so you could get somewhat of a rescue. Uh, Lorsban, we tried that. It's it wasn't the best, but I mean, both those products are off the market now, so there you you have no rescue option. You have to do insecticide at planting time, otherwise. Um, there, there's no choice later on. Okay, so this isn't a bug that you can scout and spray for. You have to put the insecticide out there. And when we're talking about planting time insecticides, the dry products are going to be a little bit better than the liquid products. So in other words, like dry Aztec or dry force, that's the best way to go. If you want to go liquid, that's fine. The cheapest way to go is bifenthrin, and it's usually pretty good. If you want to step that up a little bit, you can go to something like index, um, that's going to be just slightly better. So just as an option for you. And liquid force is probably just slightly better than bifenthrin too, but I don't see a lot of difference usually. All right, so anyway, most people talk to you about either planting time insecticide or BT corn. Well, the problem is we're seeing so much resistance with that BT corn out there. I'm not going to say that it's a complete disaster, okay? But I am going to say you certainly should not count on just any BT working great. Now, smart stacks, it's got two different traits. So a bug would have to be resistant to two different traits. Uh, we do see some of that too. So don't think that is totally foolproof, but at least you could go smart stacks. The better way to go is smart stacks pro. 
That's got the new RNAi in it. So basically, here's what RNAi is. It's RNA interference. So in other words, when the bug takes a bite out of that root, here's what happens. It's getting two things in there. It's getting the BT like it always has. And the way, by the way, BT would kill an insect is the insect has an alkaline digestive system and it can't digest that particular protein. Whereas for you and me, uh, or livestock, we all have acid digestive systems, so there's no problem with that protein whatsoever. But there are certain insects that with their alkaline digestive system, then they just they can't digest that. So just think if you've ever had a stomach ache from something you weren't digesting your food well, uh, take that to about 100x, and that's what ends up happening to the bug, and it dies, because it literally can't digest that, that one type of protein. But anyway, with SmartSex Pro, it's got that RNAi, and it, so that's RNA interference. And what it does, it's another mode of action, and now that prevents the bug from creating a protein it would normally make, and because of that, the bug dies. So either the BT gets it or the RNAi gets it, so we're seeing tremendous results out of the SmartSex Pro. Now, unfortunately, it costs more money, but I'm just saying if you got a major rootworm problem, I'm going to tell you every single time, go SmartStacks Pro. Now, in terms of this, how do we stop the bugs from getting bad in the first place? Number one, kill your volunteer corn early. I get, I get very frustrated when I see people letting volunteer corn go. Because if you let volunteer corn go in your field, you let it live for three to four weeks, you're, you now have just created a rootworm problem just like you planted corn on corn. And if you don't believe me, go pull up your volunteer corn plants early in the season. Okay, you get to week two, week three, where you've seen volunteer corn in your field, you start pulling those plants up, most of the time you're going to find rootworms there. Okay, you got to kill the volunteer corn early so you don't give food for the rootworms to eat so they don't continue on into the next year. And then uh, bug bombing, bug bombing early. So what I mean by that is when adult corn rootworm beetles show up, you spray soon after that. Okay, you don't have to spray day one when the first adult corn rootworm beetle is in your field, but you need to be spraying, spraying soon because when you see adult corn rootworm beetles in corn, in soybeans, in any crop, they're not just there having fun. They're there to, to mate and to lay eggs, and that egg laying is going to start fairly soon after you see adult corn rootworm beetles. So I'm just saying, if you can do those things, kill your volunteer corn and in like soybeans or whatever crop and do it early do your bug bombing um, and make sure that the bugs don't get the chance to lay eggs now you're going to have a lot less rootworm pressure so anyway it can be a challenge and it can hurt a lot of yield but if you manage that thing right uh, you absolutely can keep it under control on your farm all right before we go i just want to say thanks to my sister janelle she was producing the show for us today thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions and thanks to you for listening, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.